Hello and welcome to Retromancer, Episode 7. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. And this is the one where we talk about worlds. So what do we got to talk about, Steve? Well, man, I think the best thing to talk about is uh, Worlds, man. Worlds 2021 just happened in November. So that was pretty exciting. That was an action-packed, like, three days. Actually, I know. before we uh, before we jump into the nitty-gritty details, God, I, I shouldn't just leave him standing by the front door. I, you probably let him inside. I, I think uh, didn't did, we brought someone with us this time. Yeah, actually. Uh, Zeroth Maxima, also known as Phil, is here joining us this evening uh, to talk about worlds. Oh, thanks for finally opening the door, guys. It's pretty chilly out there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know how to bundle up. Yeah, worlds! I mean, you say three days, and that sounds like it's not long enough almost, because there's all, there's all the hype pre-worlds right oh yeah oh man and That's the ban true. list the unbanning all that stuff yeah so that was all right so um the whole the whole ban list right before worlds was integral to the world's experience right that was that was the moment when Worlds started i agree yeah yeah that was really good you guys weren't paying attention to the game like a couple of years ago huh um Depends yeah, on the time. For a while, yeah. I, I was oh, in yeah. and out. Well, I agree because like it's similar to to two worlds ago, where which set was it? I think maybe Uprising or Downfall wasn't quite ready in time for Worlds, so they released a a booster pack with a couple of cards per per faction. Crowd, um, crowdfunding. No, so that was the last FFG world. Border, which had like crowdfunding border. and border control in it, oh. and labor rights, stuff like that. But Nisei actually did a booster pack for, I think it was Downfall, and it had it had like not very good cards, like Swift and uh, Cyber Trooper Talut. Um, what's that Whalen upgrade that puts counters that's banned now? Anyways, it had a bunch of cards just to like inject stuff in. But that's that's almost how it felt like, you know, the, these cards that were banned for so long, like Gagarin. Kayambe. Gagarin in ages and suddenly released. So, yeah, really good job from uh, whoever plans that. Did we, did we exactly who plans that? I know who you are. Good job. <laughs> you got it's not Netrunner's not a super huge community uh, nowadays. Actually, one of the really interesting things about it is, uh, it, I mean, you see a couple of new faces every once in a while, but it's it's actually really weird to like continue seeing people that I basically thought I would never see again like five years ago, and like a lot of them are still just like kind of plugging along, just doing Netrunner still. Like it's a good game, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they like it. As uh, sure. as newer players and or returning players. I guess what what struck you the most about the the ban list being unbanned or banned? I think one of the boldest sort of things is that, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, was that they 
banned specific cards and the unbanned specific cards. It's it's very it was very intentional, and they they said this this is the specific thing we're going for. We don't want these things. We do want these things. We think that's yeah. going to produce the healthiest um, game, and that's. Uh, I don't really know what word I would I would use to describe that. Um, You've got to realize the talent that's <laughs> in the the ban list team. You got you got data scientists. You got statisticians. You got all sorts of people. That's also a data scientist pulling the levers. Sure. So, uh, and I think it's. It's maybe easy to kind of scoff at that and be like, well, geez, why don't you just print the game you want at this point instead of trying to balance the one you have? Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to have a good game, the game has to be balanced. And um, yeah. and and whatever whatever gets you there, right? I, I think it's I think it's maybe naive to believe that any balancing you do is not going to be intentionally building a meta of some kind. So when yeah. we admit that ahead of time and we say okay fine well if we're going to be building the meta that we like through inaction or action let's build one that we really think is going to produce the best game <clears throat> thought it was interesting you said Surgical. something like a lot of good testing must have good gone into this which is probably true but i and i have zero zero supporting evidence for me saying this but i almost feel like this one was like under tested maybe purposefully just to be like we're throwing it out there we'll see what happens you feel like it was under tested huh i think it came out better because it wasn't over tested maybe maybe not under tested but the good amount of tested so actually that was exactly kind of where i was going is so i think one of the critical so critical i said earlier that worlds began the month before worlds when they released the new the new ban list and um and I actually realized the other day when I was in the shower, <clears throat> I had a shower thought, and um, it's it's really the amount of time you set for that is absolutely critical because it doesn't really matter how much stuff you choose to ban or whatever. At, at the end of the day, every meta is going to get solved given enough time. So it was really critical that they did it with enough time for people to try to build decks, but not so much time that they were able to be like, yep, we found the best decks. Uh, because what, what really is, is the most important thing is, is when we walk into worlds, the viewers need to have the sense of mystery and they go, Oh, all right. I have these, I have these hypotheses, but I do not have like confirmations on like what, like they don't want to walk in. Everyone was, Oh, we all know CTM is going to win. It's going to be 15 NBNs in the top, top 16. It's going to be terrible. Uh, you know, there was like, there's still a bit of uncertainty and that was because they did it close enough to worlds, but there was still, you know, enough time that they could plan for it. And I thought that was really cool and really critical. I agree. I think a big part of it is that they also purposely do a ban list after the previous big events. Like you don't have official results published in a real tournament. Like that's, that's also part of the mystery too. Yeah, I agree, because this came off of Continentals and Intercontinentals, I guess, uh, which, yeah, in the previous balance, the previous meta, uh, yeah, went through like so many high-profile tournaments, got like really tested, and the quantities were known. So, yeah, it's, it's just nice when they mix it up, yeah, the perfect amount of time right before the big tournament. Yeah. 
I'm just glad they did for one night. Uh, you go first, Steven. Well, you know, I think the big thing is just they were willing to unban stuff and at the same time ban things. I think it's hard to kind of flip both of those switches at the same time and also across multiple factions and sides. I feel like generally it's like, okay, corpse are too strong. We need to ban their cards, but we can't touch runner stuff. The fact that they touch both sides, different factions doing different things, I think that was uh, a lot of nuance. I think uh, Precision Design, we all knew was a really gr strong deck, even for people that don't probably follow the standard meta. It's really good in startup. It's pretty nice to see uh, Gagarin be in the top table and, and yeah. be pretty well represented. Um, so that was kind of fun. Uh, I know Nate hates uh, controlling the message with fiery passion. Oh, God, I hate controlling the message. Oh, my God. <laughs> so miserable to play again. It's like, oh, it's like a, it's like a ID that's like about a money battle. And you're like, oh, that sounds super cool. And they're like, yeah, so like, you know, you're like kind of fighting. And then you just blow like 15 credits on one run. And then the money battle is over. And then you lose the game as the runner. You and you're like, you. what? Oh. And it sounds like playing against 419. 419. So like um 419 was such a cool, interesting idea. Like I just loved the idea of what he was about. But it's like it was just one of those things where it's just that critical mass of synergies. Yeah. Where absolutely. it's just it's just too much. And especially <clears throat> I think denial is one of those things that's it's really hard to balance. So like Phil, what is your perspective on denial like money denial like for runners let's say like what what like, what do you think about that being in the game i mean i i think it's really good in some sense like wait are you guys newer players or are you returning if i talk about core one is that weird no we've been here since no, the beginning, no not so. at all okay yeah yeah so like remember core one like a big part of it was keeping that corp econ down by like forcing them to res ice right uh-huh mm -hmm. which is just just such a crunchy integral part of the game to me I but agree. yeah yeah 419 takes it too far man yeah. too far not only do i have to pay to res my ice i gotta also deal with the doofs and i also gotta protect my secret information by paying out the butt every turn i mean yeah sure it's one credit but I'm terrible at economy management. I'm I'm gonna be clicking that credit back in in two turns when I drop to zero. So um, one of the cool I think you mentioned one of the coolest things about Netrunner in general. So like economy being tight unlocks one of the most important parts of Netrunner, and this is what it is: the corpse board is uh in this hybrid state of activation so because uh the designers of netrunner kind of um when you're when you play a runner card you pay a click to play the card and you pay credits to activate the card and for a corp those are separate things you yeah. you can play quote play a card before you can afford it and so what it results in is this corp board where they have more cards out than they can afford but that means that they can dynamically choose which cards they want to be active right now and that's like just super awesome and when the corp is just like i got 50 credits you're like cool your whole board is online at this point like yeah. there's no nuance to it anymore and that's like uh it's not as cool you know and so um i think you i think you hit on a really good point that uh we we want 
it to be pretty tight. And like whenever it gets kind of too far in either direction, um, you lose that and it, and it just feels like an objectively worse Netrunner. I would even argue that that's still true um, even against like the Sea Scorch uh, uh, decks at the very, very beginning of Netrunner. Oh, yeah. Because um, even though they were like, I got to get to 30 credits, um, it they couldn't. Like, basically, it was like they had this gigantic piece of ice that cost as much runner, as much credits as the runner had, plus seven. And, you know, as like, so it could, it was a variable expensive cost of ice, which was called Sea Scorch, uh, until they had a blast screen. And then, you know, you got to do a posted bounty or snare or something like that. Yeah, then you got to do some more thinking. But that yeah. was an interesting arms race, right? The The balancing around Sea Scorch, which, like, Thankfully, that's gone. They don't need to balance around that because the whole game was balanced around that for a long time, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. But I think it was uh, a good, like, I don't know, like growing experience for the game. I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I think back really fondly to those times. And part of it was is just having like, like a, just kind of like known archetypes, you know? And yeah. you're like, this is what this is about. It's balanced. It works. It's it's the things it's good at. It's good at. Uh, it has a line of play that works, and it really just comes down to details on whether or not you know it's going to win or lose this game or whatever. Absolutely, and like, not that I was smart enough back then. Like my plan was always like, oh, they'll run this snare last click, and they'll have a tag, and then I'll scorch them. <laughs> because look, I'm not a good deck builder. I'm not a great player. Do you know? You guys know that meme that's like, "Oh, you've been playing Netrunner for six years. Are you a good player?" I'm like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I've never seen that. Bad cat. Oh my gosh, you one. see that? <laughs> well, see, here's the cool thing about snare is all you need to do to make it more likely to fire on last click is to just put it in weirder and weirder decks, so people are less likely to expect it, and then it just is effective, and you know. And next thing you know, you're playing uh, Jinteki Replicating Perfection with snares in your deck. And all the top players are like, that's not your win condition. And you're like, I don't know. I mean, it's still pretty good. I don't even know what a win condition is. So joke's on you. <laughs> they're like, hit a snare. And they're like, I don't even know what this guy's deck is anymore. Uh, maybe some of the best decks. Yeah. Phil, uh, was there any surprises for you on like what decks did well? Let me think about this for two seconds. I, I you know, people kept saying that Gagar, Gagarin, Gagarin? I don't know. Gagarin. It wasn't that good. Gagarin. That you, sounds way better than what I'm saying. Yuri Gagarin. Gagarin. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, people kept saying it wasn't that good after it got unbanned. You know, I, I'd play on JNet against randos and run into it right after it got unbanned and just consistently lose. So I was like, this is clearly unbeatable. Um... <laughs> But people kept saying like, "Oh, it's not, it's not actually that good." So I'm glad that it actually did something, if only to represent the Wayland faction. So that That's was true. Yeah. That was big unit three thousand, right? Mm, he's good. Yeah. Oh yes. man, jeez, look at this. That's awesome. I remember when Gagarin first came out. I wasn't even playing abusive decks. I was just playing like. Uh, corporate town. I mean, that's maybe an abusive card. I don't really know, but I mean, yeah, I mean. it was. I I I say it was not abusive uh, at the time. It was it was totally fine. I still lost a lot of games, but um, probably more than most decks I've played, people would just like realize that they they've lost like the battle, and then they're just like, okay, I can't win. Uh, and it was, oh wow, a lot of concedes. 
uh, when like yeah when it when it first came out and I I don't know why maybe I had just like I wasn't even doing like infinite recursion with museum or anything like that I was yeah. just doing like you know assets and fun you know misdirection stuff like that but not misdirection the card I mean I was misdirecting uh, I think at the time it was probably better because a lot of critical stuffs were assets but now you know you got a you got a bunch of stuff you got a different ways to get money it's not just all in your assets you can you can just run and click for money now with your penny shaver who cares about corporate town <laughs> oh corporate town back in the day when it was uh killing your Cotty jones with like a million credits on it yeah that's yeah, yeah oh my gosh dude it was um oh no it was so that actually when it first came out too they they had just been re-gearing runner economy to be about asset uh resources you know and they yeah. were like guys you know what yeah. magnum opus and account siphon are not primary econ methods anymore now you've got to play the game normally this is gonna this is it this is gonna nerf tag me decks into the ground anyways here's a bunch more tag me support wireless net pavilion rats it's still a thing yeah. No, they tried. Did they? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we should talk about actual worlds, though. I feel like we should. I don't know. We could keep going down this, though. Sure. Um, Max everywhere. Because yep. 419 banned, obviously. Do you guys have a preferred size of Max? Big Max was pretty popular. Normal Max was also good. Apoc Max. Regass Max. I don't know if I could say Regass on this show, but it's too late. <sighs> That's fine. We'll allow it. You're a special. You're That's a special guest. Yeah, it is. I'm just. I'm just quoting, bro. I'm just quoting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't even know really that there was a lot of, of variance to the size of Max. So, like, what's so? What's the deal? Why? <clears throat> why so much Max? Is it because Max is good? Is it because Anarchs are good? Is it because? Why not both, right? You hit the nail on the head. Like, Max is good. Free cards. Some of your cards go in your, your heap, which sometimes that's where you want them. And Very much just so. all the good Anarch cards in a big old stack, and you'll get enough of them to win, is the theory, I think. Do you think the trash breakers are a big part of it? Like, just be, like, free draw. It's like more, they're like in your hand, basically. Well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the point. Talking about cards that are hard to balance against is, yeah, those bin breakers, like, like, what do you do? Like, you ban them, and what breakers does Anarch have? Like, they're not special anymore, but you keep them around, and, like, <laughs> like the value on them is insane, right? I mean, yeah. par part of it is, 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 is there's... Uh, so I noticed in Startup, one of the things that they intentionally removed from the game, maybe too much so, was there is almost no self-mill in Anarch and Startup, like, at all. The only... It, uh, so, Gachapone does not... Specifically does not. It removes from the game, yeah. and then it puts it back into your deck, right? And they're like, yeah. no, no recursion for you! Uh, and so, the closest thing you get to, like, the Anarch self-mill, like, Inject, Street Peddler, Max, is you get Moshing, which discards cards from hand. Um, you get paid for them, but it, it's not great if you also want those cards. Right, and so uh, it's definitely part of Anarch's color pie is is getting like using your your uh, your discard pile as your library, right? And yeah. um, and they took that away in startup, which it makes Anarchs feel so different. Uh, it took me a lot of kind of 
are you doing? Because you like throw in three symbol chips, and you're like, I'm anarch. I've got symbol chips. But then when you're yeah. like, you're like, I have to draw these cards. Then I have to play them. Then I have to use them, and then I can recur them. Like, oh, jeez, it's not even worth doing. That's anymore. too many steps. Yeah, mm. you're basically shaper now. So unplayable. Uh, uh, yeah, basically, I think I think the hidden secret from Max is that not only are you getting card draw, you're getting quote card draw from the mills. Uh, yes. You know, putting Which just give you options, right? Putting putting a lot of your valuable cards where they need to be. Not only giving you options, um, but also giving you speed, right? Like how much how much energy is it to draw a paperclip and play it? Right? It's two clicks, right? But if you mill your paperclip, it's z paperclip. It's zero clicks. Paperclip. Absolutely free. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Max yeah. is fun. Max is fun. I'll be sad when she rotates, but I think she's she's done enough damage. She's I think she's had a good run. I think she's yeah, going out on a, on, a, on a good note, you know? I mean, not not every not every runner has had sort of just like a solid a solid good life where they were the best, but they weren't dirty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anarchs are like, yeah, the the hero until they become the villain. That's that's kind of their trademark at this point. I mean, that's kind of every that's every, maybe every identity that's actually every, good. That's true. I mean, it's, okay. it's every, every deck in every game, really, you know, is it's, it's oh. how, how do we make it good without making it overpowered? Or how do we make it overpowered without admitting it's overpowered, then banning it for worlds, but explicitly saying it's not because it's overpowered, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> do you guys have opinions on the concept? Because I hear you guys play a lot of startup, right? And I love startup, too. That's mostly what we do right now. Because, you know, I don't want to... Uh, it's a big world out there. It's been, it's been a while. It's scary. 419 is still out there. Do you think there should have been, like, a, a startup worlds? Nah. Ooh. A startup worlds? <sighs> All right. So, actually, I think I think Steve told me you guys had discussed this on your podcast a while back that um, maybe splitting the format, or maybe someone was talking about it, where... Splitting the format by having startup and and standard uh, is kind of splitting the community a little bit. And um, I don't remember if that was that was that you. Did you have a discussion? Maybe that, that was us. I remember us being a little bit rude to the startup community, oh. but it was worth it because we get those clicks. <laughs> so um, I I would make the argument that a lot of the people that are playing startup are playing startup because they don't want to play standard and. Startup at least gets you a little bit there. They might end up, um, they they might end up all the way there. But like, I probably wouldn't be playing standard. Uh, it's scary right to jump into the rest of it, right? I mean, it's it's a it's like a massive pool, and there's a lot of knowledge there. And I guess it probably hasn't evolved that much in the last two years, honestly. But um, yeah. Uh, so you could make the argument that if there had been a startup worlds, that would have split the community. Uh, that was certainly the argument I was about to make. <laughs> Which is kind what? of counter to my own argument. Like you got, yeah. did you guys yeah. play at Worlds? No, I didn't. I didn't. No. So that makes little me child. Right. Oh, I get that. Yeah, I mean, what I would. About you? I, I, uh. I would have. I would have <laughs> just watched Worlds though. I would not have. Uh, like, even if there had been a startup Worlds, I, I wouldn't have played it, and I would have. Uh, I would have watched normal Worlds still, because that's what I wanted to do. Okay, yeah, so even if there was one, you wouldn't have jumped in. Yeah, unfortunately, I missed Worlds this year due to some some light surgery. Um, but, yeah, I, I had a great time watching it as well. Nisei does a really good job with her streams. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about that. Actually, um, like, I had fun 
watching the stream, bouncing around, kind of milking it for all you can. You know, they were like, watch a game, jump to another game. Uh, you jump in the game halfway, try to elaborate on how they got there. Watch them close out the last five minutes of the game, jump through another game. Now there's only three minutes left. Yeah. And like, that was fun. That's like what you do at like a conference or like, you know, being at Worlds. Um, but I don't think it's going to make for very good VODs, right? Like, I, I think go back and watch the finals because uh, I think I had to go to the airport. I don't remember. I missed the finals live. It's OK. I went back and listened to them after. Still good. I, I feel like some people are just really into watching VODs, though. It's not me. Yeah. No, but no, it's no. for someone. Oh, VODs, VODs are really, really valuable, uh, especially for Worlds. You want to go back and you want to watch. Like, and you want to rehash it and be like, interesting. Because, you know, like, you can't appreciate really anything in the world, like, the first time you look at it. And especially when oh, you're looking at top-level play and you're like, wow, I didn't realize they were doing this for this reason. And it's really fun to analyze top-level play because you know that there's some kind of gem there that you missed. Mm. yeah i i kind of felt like the uh top cut was a little bit more rewarding for me as like just trying to understand the standard meta a little bit and and the lower yeah. uh the swiss rounds were still fun to watch but you definitely uh it's a little bit rougher i wish that they had had some kind of bot i actually thought about trying to write one myself i was like can i write one in one evening write a bot that just goes and like uh and basically web crawls jinteki.net and just records a vod of every single game for the tournament just so that we have them for posterity uh, it was actually um a twitch channel that did that remember a couple of years ago there was like this salty net or something for for fighting games no. That would just watch random fighting games. I don't know. I don't watch fighting games. But someone made one for wow. for Netrunner, for JNet. I don't remember what it was called. But yeah, I would crawl JNet and like spectate random games that were just starting until they end. And then you could like place bets in Twitch chat. It was really cool. Wow. But I guess the story on it was that it was running off the guy's roommate's laptop or something. So it would randomly go down when the guy actually needed his laptop. I think oh, it's dead no. now. But it was it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be super handy just so we can go back and like especially one it's it's interesting to look at the past because you can look at who the winner was and you're like, oh wow, this deck, you know, like we, we had an Adam deck get pretty high up there, and I'm like, oh dude, I want to go see what his previous games were like, uh, you know, as well. Kind of see how it did over the course of the whole tournament if you wanted to Yes, if you could record everything. Yeah. Which Technically, I think you could just through JNet with the new like replay feature, right? Oh, interesting. I was thinking, I guess, I don't know if we're going to do an online tournament again next year, but if we do, maybe if see if I can figure out how to script to record all those for the tournament. I don't know. Yeah. The, the JNet devs might already have something. Um, that would be nice. I would you know, like lined that. up yeah. for that to, to, to record everything. But obviously, there's maybe some some privacy issues just like True. games. Um, but for a big tournament, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you go back and like basically trace the winner's like path to victory. That'd be awesome. Sure. And I think some of the big streamers did the they recorded their own games if they wanted to come back later and kind of make a video series on it. So I think you kind of had to want to display yourself which i yeah. think was pretty cool so what do you think nisei could do anything to get a couple of guys like you that love the startup into standard maybe a different format one with 
less burden of knowledge. Uh, there is. So, uh, yeah, all, um, all they need right. to do is... <laughs> if I just keep playing the game long enough, what I yeah. play will become standard. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just... That's how you got into standard in the first place, right? So... Just uh, just keep people playing the game, you know, playing in formats, and eventually they're going to get familiar with all the cards and all the decks and all of the metas. And then you just, I mean, you know, um, you either you either quit startup or you stay long enough for it to become standard. The way to look at it. Although I guess that takes like six years, but it takes a while. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. more with the release schedule i mean honestly you know like startup is is fine uh you know we've we've played it a lot i mean i don't play a ton which is also why it's fine for me because you know like we get i get like a couple games in a week so no i'm the same way i'm like people are like oh i'm not really playing netrunner anymore i'm just play a couple games a week. i'm like that's a good week for me when i play like yeah. three games so i uh <laughs> so um so I, I don't play a ton, and so it's it's kind of, it's just small enough, you know. I I, I kind of yeah. know, I know the decks, uh, and I I can grok the whole scene a lot quicker, uh, which makes it a little bit easier. Um, but you know, we've been doing it for gosh, eight months now, and it's getting to the point now where I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I kind of am getting to the point where like I really understand what this is about, and starting to kind of maybe run out of ideas. Yeah. Uh, Do you think, what if they chopped up standard into some some smaller bits, some more easily consumable bits, maybe mix them up to randomize them? Phil was kind of teeing us up for uh, talking about a new format that was recently announced. He was. I tried. <clears throat> I tried. He's very, very unsubtly. So, uh, so tell, tell us about, tell us what's going on, Steve. Well, it looks, they just announced it today, which is the, I believe the, Today's December the 7th, uh, so it's called Random Access Memories. So it's a new tournament format where they're going to have a pool of big boxes. There's no ban list, and they also have a pool of packs, and they will pick a new deck, and I believe uh, you have a tournament, and then you have a two-hour period of deck building with the deck pool, and then... Uh, yeah, you just kind of play with almost like a sealed decks kind of a, a different format. So it seems really interesting that you kind of play with that after the tournament, right? And uh, have a few weeks of it. And then after that, you get a whole new deck and you're building new decks from the card pool. So it seems really neat. What do you think, guys? So, they, uh, so they're going to have you basically, they release the cards that are going to be legal. And then they play a, a tournament like almost immediately, like, well two hours right so you basically have two hours to build the best deck that you think you can build out of those boxes uh and so it's very much like a sealed event i'm so glad you're explaining this to me because i apparently did not read the article <laughs> that uh, sounds really fun that it's like yeah just immediately you got two hours to figure out the deck you want and like go um, because off the bat, I saw this and I was like, well, you know, Swan's already been doing his, uh, shattered format or something on GLC, which is similar. He drafts random packs, you know, says, Hey, this is, this is the pool, build some decks, do it's more of a, I think a league format, but yeah, I really, I really like the immediacy of that. That is like, okay, packs are, packs are drafted. Go. And, and, and yeah. how big is the pool? 
two boxes and Looks, five packs? Yeah, they're saying it's actually uh, 350 to 400 cards on average. So two big boxes, and they've a list of big boxes, and then 12 packs. And they've excluded oh. some packs like Democracy and Dogma and Blood Money that are kind of too broken, I think. Yeah. Too many good cards in them. Um, so I remember, I remember doing like drafts and stuff like that for Netrunner, like way back in the day. And some of the kind of fundamental, fundamental problems of Netrunner, like Corp Flood were a bit too real. And so, uh, it was immediately like, you need access, like you just need access to the staples, right? You need your sure gamble, you need your hedge fund and particularly corpse needed Jackson Howard, uh, in order to operate in those days, or they just like absolutely could not win in drafts. Um, so I wonder how they plan to succeed without you know some of the standard tools because the decks were the the packs as they were coming out they were designed to not duplicate existing mechanics too much because you don't want to combine them um and so i wonder if it's i feel like in like a if you just take all of the cards in netrunner and you throw them on the floor and then you pick up 50 random cards for each player and give 50 to the corp and 50 to the runner runner is going to win because it's more important that uh, the corp is able to control the game in order for them to succeed or otherwise the runner just wins. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying and like like draft has become one of my favorite formats just because those staples in the game are not kind of assured, right? Like you have to be more creative in both your deck building and your play and the lines are a little bit different because yeah, good ice is expensive. You cannot refine your deck nearly to the level of anything that's like in startup or in in standard but at the same time you have maybe some of these legacy cards that just have wild combos so i see the argument there and i think that will happen a lot where like yeah you're, you have this corp and you just you can't do anything with it because you don't have the right tools. But I also think that could easily happen with the runner with like mm. these random packs. If you don't get like a core set, you know, getting set up as the runner can be incredibly tricky. Sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the the fact that sometimes you might not have a core set of one of the three will be a big deal because it kind of almost all the runner decks will be based out of those big boxes they add. And who knows what the heck will happen when, like, the mini, uh, what is it, Data and Destiny? If, if the mini factions get picked one week, like, what wild, weird stuff will happen? Yeah. Um, no, dude, multi-threader will crush the meta like it was designed to. <laughs> I'm, I'm more excited for the weeks that don't have a core set just to see what happens, right? Like, it's going to be wild. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. So I don't know if this is a thing I can participate in. It, it's hard for me to, like, take a whole day to do these tournaments. Uh, but yeah. I'm very much looking forward to, to spectating a little bit of it and, and seeing what comes out of it. I agree with you. And I, I do think that's why they're going to, they said they're going to keep that sort of deck pool intact for two weeks. So you could kind of casually play. Uh, so I, I think you could kind of be like, oh, that deck was neat. But what if this person had changed two or three things? Then you could play yeah. it on JDET maybe casually and still have a little bit of fun, even though you have adult <laughs> obligations. <laughs> absolutely and like yeah i just want to highlight the, the cycling of it at first i was like I, I don't love it that's a lot of deck building that's that's too much thinking for me mm. but at the same time 
you know, um, this was posted by Lost Geek, who also did Eternal. Um, I don't know if you remember, like a couple months ago, there was a lot of mm-hmm. Eternal testing because they wanted to refine the format and make it more playable. And I think that was a big success. But also, you know, if there's not hype for the format, you sit in JNet for like 45 minutes trying to find a game of Eternal. Yeah. This almost solves the problem saying, yeah, we got we got two week sprints of playing this one format and then it's the next thing. It keeps the hype alive. And I think it makes the format that much like, I don't know, lively, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. I also think there's a little bit of uh something for people that like different things. Like if you're really into draft or kind of the the excitement that comes from a limited time pressure to make a deck, you're really gonna that's really gonna be a great format for you. And if you're like a filler eye and you're like, well, I can't sit around for, you know, a day and play, but at least I can play casually. There's also that for us. So there's way more. I think this will apply for more people than just Draftwood or just Eternal. Yeah. And I think it's I don't think it's new player friendly, but I think it might be more approachable than like the full standard. Like at least, you know that the decks won't be super optimized. You know, your bad deck is going to go against a lot of other bad decks. So it's not it's not like you're jumping into standard and you have no idea what to expect. A lot of people don't know what to expect. So I think it could yeah. almost be that bridge between startup. I think for a lot of people not because it's still a bunch of unknown cards, but I think some people will yeah. make the jump to standard using this format. Hmm. I mean, eventually, yeah, eventually you, you play, like I said, you play enough cards and then you're, and then now you're familiar enough with all of them. I'm kind of worried that, uh, basically when nobody can really build a consistent deck, then it just becomes about combos. And then what my next concern is, is, uh, you've got these packs and if you're bringing in whole packs, uh, you're going to have some self-contained combo um that's you know every time that pack comes in those cards work really well together yeah. and you're going to see them every single time and they're going to dominate the game and i think i i think the format is adaptable right like if there's a data pack that is crushing the format eh, just get it out of here sure Actually- I, I mean it's kind of tough because yeah the, the the counter to a lot of these combos was contained in the same cycle but not it- necessarily in the oh. same pack right yeah Wait, I thought it, I thought actually like uh, a lot of times it was contained in the same pack. Like wraparound was the same pack that contained night. Yeah, I I mean I think it did happen, but it also like a lot of the times like they'd print like a really good card and you'd wait and you'd wait and you wait until the last pack to get like the the solution for it. I feel I don't have any examples off the top of my head. No, so I, I know I know what you're talking about. That was actually. Um, that was a problem for the Mumbad cycle, right? It, yeah, I feel like it was counters? like later in the game. Yeah, you okay. had all these crazy cards come out, and you're like, "How do I deal with these?" And then a couple packs later, it'd be like, "Oh, here, this makes sense." There you go. Here's an archives interface, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, you're like dead <laughs> on the floor already. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone already left. Yeah, hmm. that was what I got out of the game. Unfortunately, was late Mumbad, I think so. So dark times, Steven, imagine. All right. Now think of now. All right, guys, let's think back to the glory days of Netrunner. Imagine a botulist that you could spend a click to move around. (laughs) And what's even worse is it's not even a good card. Like nobody ever plays it. (laughs) 
it was like you say a botulist but oh, also it's not a botulist it's not free to activate it's two credits for seventeen, yeah. and you have to install it and then move it oh man chess is hard chess is uh, hard that's chess why you just hard. play you play deep red come on it's super cool and you get a oh, back yeah. view of reyna don't you want to see what reyna's ponytail looks like ah I've always wondered, right? Jeez, oh, I always thought I always thought Deep Red was a super cool console. Dude, oh man, I made so many weird decks around that. I love I love the concept of the the Kaisa? Kaisa? Yeah. I'm I'm just really proving that I don't actually know how to speak English in this episode. It's one of those it's, it's, good. it's that Pokemon thing where everyone goes around and invents their own names for how they're all said and then we finally yeah. like meet up one day and we're like you're saying it wrong. No, you're saying it wrong. I think, it, I think it was Cassia. Oh man, I was not even there, huh? Anyways, I love that whole suite. It was like super creative, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to the future and seeing more like crazy stuff like that come out. And from what from what June has said, I think Borealis is gonna be pretty wild. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so psyched. And then uh, speaking of that. What do you guys want for Borealis this year? What, what, if there was one thing in the upcoming cycle, either for a faction or a specific card or archetype that you want to come back or be invented, what would you want? Is there anything like that? Have you thought of anything like that? All right, I have, a, I have a question. First of all, sure. Um, Shoot. so, uh, so when Borealis comes out, it's gonna be the new startup, right? And then the cycle that we're currently on is going to cycle out. Is that right? Of startup. Yeah. So far, that's startup. the plan. Yeah. So it'll be what? Archive memories plus the starter plus the new the new set. No, no, no. Uh, system update. Gateway system update and Borealis. Yeah. That, yeah, that's what Let I mean. Let me start up. Yeah. As Got far it. as I know, or is it once the second pack of that comes out, then it rotates the first one? I don't know. It's something like that. Yeah. So I guess it's just important to remember that a lot of the cards that we're currently playing with in Startup are not going to be present anymore. They'll go to, to Standard, and maybe you'll, you'll chase that simul chip high all the way to Standard. Who knows? <laughs> all right. <laughs> so... All right, oh, yeah, so boomerang, big one. So I'll go first. Um, so actually, you, you, it is kind of funny to think about all the knowledge that we've had uh, in the last like even year, I guess, since startups been out. Uh, but to remember that Borealis has been in design since even before that is kind of funny. Um, I really liked a lot of the design principles that they pursued in startup, uh, having really powerful kind of temporary access cards in botulus boomerang inside job that kind of you know it, it, it's it's created this really weird meta where like boomerang is basically a card you can expect in almost every single game um and part of it is i guess uh just like the way the ice are designed like you there are certain ice you just cannot deal with without them and then yeah. they also are just really good against normal ice as well. So you see uh, you see a lot of those. So I, I thought that was a really cool um, a really cool design philosophy to pursue. I would really like to see just like more multi-sub ice 
Um, I know they already leaned into that, and I guess theoretically there's a point where it would get a little bit out of hand, but um, uh, I think that was a fantastic design direction. Say, we're going to make Anarch about breaking multi-sub ice efficiently, but not pumping. Um, and uh, and then we're going to implement more multi-sub ice. We're going to make the game more about multi-sub ice, which is going to make the whole breaker game more interesting, which is really cool. So I, I yeah. would like to see them lean more into that direction. Uh, <clears throat> I would also like to see, as I mentioned earlier, maybe bringing back in a little bit more of the Anarch Color Pie where they self-mill, because I think that that is a really cool part of their identity. Um, and just it, it's just that critical moment where it just becomes too much and suddenly now they mill their whole deck and they have everything they need immediately. Uh, you got to balance it out. But having none has been a little painful, uh, and I kind of miss that. Uh, and I guess the third thing that I'm looking for is I want to see more operation combos from Corpse. They, the Corpse have been really buildy, and I like that. It's very standard Netrunner. Um, and I think it makes it easier for people to, like, grok the game starting out. Um, but one of the critical things for Netrunner for me, just right at the very beginning, right, you've got uh, super modernism, which is balancing this, like, I'm trying to build versus rush versus threaten to kill you with an operation. Um, and in particular, I'm leveraging two different win conditions against each other. And I feel like every good corp deck needs to be able to leverage yeah. two win conditions mm -hmm. because that kind of opens up this whole mid-game pressure thing. And without those, basically, it either comes down to it's a rush deck or it's this just super sloggy control deck. Um, and those aren't really places that the designers have a lot of control to manipulate. Um, so by instead uh, kind of focusing more on the mid-game, adding in more operation combos, um, I think I think that would make the game a, a lot more exciting. That's, that's what I'm looking for. What about you, Steve? So Shaper's in a dark place right now. Oh, and about it. I, yeah, I so I, I really enjoy Arkham Horror, the card game, and one of the factions in that game, Survivor, has a uh, a bunch of different, basically characters, so IDs that all play extremely differently. So I think a, a interesting way to take Shaper, if we don't want to go to just build up a huge pile of loot, have all the answers all the time in the late game, maybe make them have some really interesting and very wild ids you know tal manipulating ice if you score them so get another shaper that does something something really differently but can kind of leverage some of the similar tools to play the game really differently i think that would maybe take shaper in a very interesting direction uh without making them too overpowered uh because I think Tau is probably one of... I know there's a whole awesome rant that someone did on Netrunner DB. Um, so good. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> about how overpowered he is. But I think he's got a really interesting ability. Probably one of the most board state altering ones in the game. Okay, uh, yeah. In startup. And I think it'd be interesting to have another really... Make them the, the faction of really interesting and powerful IDs. And that could maybe be a way to revitalize them. Um, I also, I've been having a lot of fun playing Jinteki in Startup, so I, I don't necessarily think they're terrible. Uh, 
but it would be interesting. I think uh, on the Shadow Net, you guys talked about maybe having a different mechanic with tagging. I think that Eric mentioned that with Jiteki or do something interesting that's not necessarily Psy would be fun. I don't yeah. know if that'd be a win condition or just their ice does something new. Um, just to make it make it fresh a little bit, freshen them up. So what about you, Phil? No, I, I like that you mentioned Jinteki and Shaper because that's also what I was mentioning. Well, it's two factions that are underrepresented right now, yeah. right? And let, let's start with Jinteki again. They gotta be scary again, right? Like, Jinteki's mm-hmm. not scary. And you're talking about new mechanics. They tried that with the, like, expose out of hand. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they yeah. <laughs> immediately went and banned Engram Flush because it was a little bit over the curve. It was a pretty dangerous. Um... And that's that's kind of the the paradox of Jinteki is like losing a couple cards here and there is not that bad, but yeah, when you have an Engram flush that is is threatening consistent card out of your hand, that's that's too much suddenly, right? So th- there's got to be a middle ground, and they can do something else crazier with Jinteki, I think. And yeah, they just they they have to come up with that mechanic that that really makes them shine um do i know what that is absolutely not but that's what i'm asking for right if this is the christmas episode this is where we're, we're wishing so yes this is where we're wishing you could yeah. you could wish you can wish for especially unrealistic things yeah okay so let, let's go all the way overboard look all these other factions have have tempo positive things you know your hb just pick a card. It's tempo positive. Who cares? Whichever one. <laughs> pick one, right? We're building, Wayland. bro. You know, you're scoring your agendas. You're making money. Maybe you get a bad pub. It's fine. They're just going to blow you up afterwards. The bad pub doesn't matter. Um, what's the last one? I mean, NBN. Ugh, let's, yeah, let's, let's not even talk about NBN. Give, give Jinteki a little bit of gas, right? Like, they're supposed to be the trap masters, but traps are just... Are so hard to include in your deck. They're just impossible to play. Right. Unless right. it's NGO front, which is not really a trap, but you know, it, it gives you that gas, even if you don't use it as a trap. So I think it, it's a gas trap. Yeah, exactly. Jinteki yeah. could have more stuff like that. All where right. it's like a trap and also helps them advance. I mean, NGO front is basically the laser pointer and the runner is the cat. And then you just sit there and then right when they're about to pounce on it, you zip it away and then you go, yeah. ah, I got it's a great card, right? A fantastic yeah. card. Um, so I think Jinteki could use a, a couple more things like that. And, you know, they have weird stuff like, uh, what's that? What's that little guy with one eye, that Japanese doll, Daruma? Daruma to like swap stuff out. There's stuff like that, but it's all it's all a lot of setup, which they can't afford. Mm-hmm. Right? They gotta corpse, be quicker than that. Corpse have a really hard time doing combos. Uh yes. because more of their board is just is is locked down to doing very dedicated functions. Unless, mm. like you said, it's operation-based, which is way harder to disrupt. Or or agenda-based, um, which you yeah. definitely see a lot more like kind of uh, combo effects be printed on agendas. But then it, you can't make a combo deck without scoring the agenda, right? And the you know the 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 ones that we've seen the most success out of have been Astro Script Pilot Program, right? And Nisei Mark II, right? And both of those mm-hmm. are agendas that quote combo. To help you score more agendas, like specifically dedicated to that one function. And yeah. that's why they've made the cut and none others have tried. Um, I was building a Builder of Nations deck 
a while back. Oh, Builders of Nations. Oh, oh I'm man. sorry. Not, not Builder of Nations. I apologize. It was uh, Earth Station, right? Oh, get out of here. Uh, okay, so Earth Station, and they have this ag- uh, agenda called Transport Monopoly. Yes. Um, which said, okay, no. <laughs> like, uh, you label a run as unsuccessful. So, I mean, it seemed to me like this is printed for Earth Station. It's your Absolutely. second Cresium, right? Uh, except for it doesn't cost them five credits like Cresium does, uh, and you have to score it. So it's not actually very good. And then we also have this other problem that a lot of really valuable cards, I mean, we've got Kushuk, but um, uh, a, a lot of cards aren't necessarily run-based. You've got Stargate, which Transports Monopoly is not good against. Um, and you've got, I guess, like Kushuk and, and Maker's Eye and Legwork, I guess, are, are decent targets, but it's not that yeah. good. But I was thinking, man, <laughs> compare this to Nisei Mark II, and you're like, you're like guys nisei is a good card right and nisei mark ii and you're like yeah end the run one time and you're like all right two times don't end the run just let the max let them access it successfully but just say that it wasn't yeah and you're like that's not that's not even remotely as good that we all see the use case right but it's like that's useless you have to to score you have to combo into it what if you could play earth station with nisei mark ii like oh my gosh right that would just be ridiculous Uh. okay let me let now let me go to shaper now let me let me paint you my vision of shaper do you remember origami you'd install one you'd get like an extra card hand and you didn't install two you get four and then you install three origamis for some reason you do have Hand size you have way too many. I want that again. I want like I want to hold my deck in my two hands and say I don't have the manual dexterity to actually pull this off. That's what I want. I want to take and my, I want it to. I want it to be in shaper this time. This is a this is a family friendly uh, podcast, Phil, as you said. Did I say something bad again? <laughs> well, no. I, you you can beep over stuff. I say it's fine. Anyways, along with that, because we know Shaper is all about the setup, and honestly, that doesn't really work right now because the corpse are too fast. So give give me a way to use all my cards, right? Sure. I did say that. I did say I want to <laughs> hold my giant deck in my hands. <laughs> That's family friendly. That's fine. The kids don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's too good. So you want to make all right, all right. So let me think about this. This reminds me of the old days where we had. uh, It was, it was like the shaper puts their whole whole their all their cards, twenty cards in their hand, and then they just like play like six turns in a row. That's that's what I'm remembering. Not not necessarily. I want them to play six turns in a row, but I want them to have their options and I want them to be able to use them. Shaper, they don't have any tricks right now, which is one of the big shaper problems, right? And the tricks like you don't the tricks need to be out of hand. Out of hand potentially or help me install them, right? Like Haley back in the day, you could set up your board because you could install two things oh, I want. I'm not saying I want Haley back. Don't get me wrong. I want to be able to use my cards. Right. Well, and also there was a bunch of really cool tricks you could do with Haley where you would install really weird cards at really weird times, kind of like yes. like prognostic Q loop works. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really fun. cool in the game, right? Being able to like, not necessarily cheat out cards, but yeah, like, oh, I installed this program on your turn. And then I also install a clot at the same time. Like it was, it's just weird and it worked in really interesting ways. All right, so here's so here's what we've got. We've got this vision of Netrunner. You've got 
Anarchs, they're they're like the Zerg. They just they just do their own thing. They don't really care what you're doing. Uh, they're doing their own thing and they do it well or maybe not well. And then uh, you just like eventually maybe they're going to get out of control. I think they have this virtue of like, I'm just, my cards aren't the best, but when they combo, they become super, super really good. And then also like, I just kind of negate your cards full stop. Then you've got criminals who are more about uh, playing this, this very direct game with the corp. I'm running here right now because I know you can't afford to res this. Uh, I'm going to put pressure on you now to slow you down, to give me access to places like I want to go. I'm going to slow down the game. I'm going to run HQ and the HQ is going to be full of agendas. And then you've got shapers and they're like, I'm doing something really interesting and it might not even interact with you at all. Yeah. Corp. They, uh, they need a lot more interaction. I want to do, sure. I want to do fun, cool things. I want to make cool combos. Uh, and that... That definitely was the original shaper thing, uh, and it's kind of high, like a like a big win sort of sort of faction. Yeah. So and you want to? Shook obviously tries to go for that, but it, I mean it's very Hushuk. easily counterable. And I feel like transport I used to Monopoly. try to play Hushuk. Yeah, transport Milan. Oh man, oh. best and, like, agenda. I, I whiff consistently with it, yeah. and I'd like I'd be checking HQ. No agendas in HQ. No agendas in HQ. It's time for Hushuk. Go Hushook. No, there's there's no agendas in there. So I gave up on it. It's dead to me. <laughs> it's done. Give me something else. All right, all right. You know, I, I've had way more success. This is the state of Shaper, right? Importing Hushook in Criminal because, you know, you get your tricks to steal the early agendas and then you're yeah. like, I just need one more. Okay, we're going. Woo, I can definitely see it. that, yeah. Huh. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like, I look at Tao's art and he's just like, He's just looking at that Rubik's cubes. It looks like he's just like he's thinking real hard about something, yeah, right? And that's is. what that's what shapers are. Like they're just like, I got this thing, and that's what I'm about. And someday I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it work, guys. And and that's I think I think that's a good description of what shapers are. That's the be. aspiration. Yeah. So right. I hope I hope they figure that out mechanically. Cool. And you want Jinteki. So you mentioned, just want them to not be bad again. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that Jinteki. Every other faction has tempo positive agendas, and Jinteki doesn't. But I, I don't know. Have you? I mean, did you did you see Steve's um, deck with Hyobu and the uh, uh, Flower Sermon? I mean, it's literally an agenda that says, "Oh, okay." Flower Sermon in Hyobu oh, said it, it effectively oh, says, "Gain yeah. five credits and draw five cards." That's yeah. what the agenda says. Like. It's really amazing. I don't think I've ever seen as disgusting of as an I mean, it took me a long time to realize when I was playing it. So it was like, how is it like turn six and you're down to like 25 cards? Like what's going on? And I was like, oh my God, he scored two flower sermons and he's drawn 10 oh. cards with them. And that makes sense. Like it should be a good card, right? <laughs> like it works with the identity and it gives you tempo, but it's just... I mean, does it really compete with Cyberdeck Sandbox? Oh, yeah, yeah not really. Uh, I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty meta dependent. But um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I see your point. Agendas are kind of like that. Uh, so one thing that you, the other thing that you mentioned is is about tempo, and I feel like of all the factions, Jinteki is the one that relies the most on tempo because their ice are like really good early game and really yeah. bad late game and. And so they want to keep the runner in that early to mid game phase. And that's how they win. And if the runner can get into late game, that's when they lose all of their teeth. 
mm-hmm. and that's yeah, like absolutely. the that's like the perfect Jinteki. We've seen control Jinteki, which is like I'm gonna get my combo, and then you're gonna lose the game. And then like those are just like the the most oppressive decks ever. Like oh my gosh, like how do I not like lose everything to you? And then when you get some good cards, now I lose everything even faster. So yeah. I think it's appropriate. Jinteki really needs tools to to keep and hold tempo. It's the most important thing for them. Absolutely. I you guys agree. I might have gotten hurt by Boomerang a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It'll heal in time. Yeah. <laughs> I also, it's interesting too, because I, I think with you know, with Ashes, it was designed sort of to influence what was in standard startup, I don't think was imagined at the time yet, or maybe in, in testing. So I'm curious now that they've got a That's new true. core set, what they can pull off in Borealis as well. Like you have yeah. kind of like, sort of like a foundation to build a new format on. And I think they're considering startup with the new format, uh, the new release, I mean, or it's in, been tested with that in mind. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of balances they can come up with and what ideas they'll implement. Do you, I guess my one question was, do you guys think they'll actually have like another win condition or something like that they'll add? Or is that just, is that different card games? That This isn't, Netrunner, each side only has two win conditions, let's not add more. There's only, there's only, there's only one win condition in card games, Steven, and it is a function of time. It doesn't really matter how you win, it's when you win. And you can print as many ways as you want, but at the end of the day, when you win is is the thing that matters. Uh, and so I personally feel like printing new quests or whatever are a bit superfluous because uh, it all, all always breaks down to that and you just run the risk of get things getting out of hand, right? Like Apocalypse yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it is always fun, right? All right. No, no, no. Hold on. We've got some good examples. I'm going to change my mind here, Stephen. Government takeover. That's a co- Right? It's not about winning with government takeover. It's about breaking the runner's spirit. You get to six points and you say, I don't need to play the game anymore. I have won the game. I can click, click for, nine. for three credits. Deal with yeah. it. Yeah. Click for nine. Your turn. I scored it once, twice. I think I lost one of the games immediately afterwards. And then the other one, I just made the person could see because they're like, I look, you're just clicking for nine every turn. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, fantastic agenda. Yeah. I don't, I don't well, know what to do either. I'll be honest for like a solid two years. I, I only played builder of nations with government takeover. Cause it is very, it's, it's very good. Please let That's it awesome. out of, of the ban list jail. Oh, Please. be free. Oh no! It's yeah. just a good time. I, I, um, I definitely think there's a lot of cards that could that could definitely be pseudo win conditions that would be super duper interesting. And yeah, I agree. Like a completely new thing outside of the game, I actually do think that could work. I don't know what it could be. I I think if they do do something like that, there could be very vocal opposition to it. <laughs> but um. Look, the the game has to evolve. The game has to change. It's got it's gonna be go to new places, right? We can't rehash the same stuff over and over. Um, so I'm open to it, I guess. But yeah, I'm also very very suspicious of it, right? Like I don't I don't trust you if you're saying there's gonna be a new runner win condition. I'm like, mm. doesn't sure doesn't smell that. good off the bat, oh. but 
Yeah, maybe it'd be good. What do you know. What do you think, Stephen? If that existed, where would that live? You think we're thinking like Shaper Exodia? I, I don't know. You could. I, I'm just. I mean, the the game to think about for my mind is like Magic, right? Where you have a card that says if you get so many treasures, you win. But there'd have to be a way for the corp to destroy or the rudder to destroy the corpse treasures, you know, the equivalent. So it would be interesting to see if they could pull something off or, you know, you have to have tokens or there could be different. The sky's the uh, limit, Nathan. Let's go crazy. Steven, I, I like that. I, I also I like, like your attitude. You lose. I, you win is all right, but I like you uh, lose even better. Like you do this. And if you don't win, you lose. I, that, that's a better flavor in my mind. Interesting. Like it replaces like a, this card or it's an agenda. You know, it's like the two ones uh, that all the corps are getting. It's like you have initiated the new win condition and you've also initiated your new loss condition or something. Yeah, so be, maybe. Yeah. You can no longer win by agenda points. You must do X. Something like that, but it gives you, know, you a bonus. That could be fun, I think. Wasn't there like a wasn't there like a uh, Star Wars Destiny? They had like you're building the Death Star, but it can also be destroyed. And if it is, you lose. And if you complete it, you win. Wasn't that a thing they added in Star Wars Destiny? After we quit playing, I think that was I think that was yeah. a, a a thing, and then they had a whole bunch of IDs around it. I mean, that's that's cool. It makes things kind of combo. I don't think, like you mentioned, Stephen, that you don't have to print counters to it. Uh, I, I think making the win condition a function of time can be a counter, but then it's an issue of if people are playing it, then you know if it's really good, you can't play any decks that are slower than it. So. That's that's the that's how the game is now though. That's how a meta is created. You say, okay, this is the best corp deck, so our runner decks have to go this fast, otherwise we can't win. You know, and then yeah. and then you know, okay, cool. Well, these are the runner decks that work, so now here's the things we can get away with this corp. So maybe that's totally fine. Actually, I don't really know. I, I guess my my hot insane or or weird Jinteki thought would be like, you you know, if you score this agenda. You have to do 25 net damage, and if you do, you just win. Doesn't doesn't actually have to kill the runner. You add power counters each time. Keep doing net right. damage. Uh, huh. Just, like that's cool. each faction could have a unique thing. If it was a maybe that's the corp mechanic they add, or, or yeah. I, I don't I, think I, something yeah. like that has to say you win. It could just be like you get three extra agenda points, which you know that's if that true. doesn't make you win, you're in a bad spot. <laughs> Oh, oh, Steven. Oh, I knew I had something good inside my head when you mentioned that. You know what this reminds me of is I know that they were making like agendas that like did things over time. Uh, okay. And then they printed the like, okay, you've got your agendas, right? Glenn Station. All right. Here's my special cool move that no one else can do. And I'm very special, right? And it is. You are very special because if you scored that agenda by golly, you should be allowed to use it, you poor little corp, because you didn't score an agenda that helps you win the game. You scored an agenda that helps you do something different and fun. But then they printed Turntable, and they were like, ah, uh, you know, maybe counters for this should exist. Like, no, counters did not need to exist. And now all of these cards that were really bad but kind of fun are just totally terrible because... A counter to them exists, and a counter did not need to exist. Okay. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and our color pie ruining it for everyone. It's <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> I mean, that's their thing, right? Ruin, ruin everything. 
too strong. Ruin your fun. And you're like, you're like, this is ruining my fun. And they're like, but that's, <laughs> but that's the point. <laughs> and you're like, I'm not laughing. That's not yeah. funny to me. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we've gone a really long time and rambled about everything. Final thoughts. Phil, anything else you want to mention about all the things we talked about? Uh, no, I'm excited for Borealis. There's that. Good worlds, Nisei. Good job. Can I plug my own? Nonsense? Yes, please. Um, okay. I, Who are you? you? Know, Who are you? Yeah, I, I do the Shadownet podcast with uh, usually a guy called Eric. You might have heard about him. Uh, but what I want to plug right now is we're having our annual bake-off competition. If you are into baking or or shows like the Great British Bake Off, the Canadian Bake Off, surely there's an American version. I don't know if there is. No, you haven't looked hard enough. For sure there I is. I think the For great sure. I think the the American one is just Hell's Kitchen. Oh yeah, if you're into Hell's Kitchen, I haven't seen it, but this is exactly like that. It's Netrunner themed. <laughs> bake us a little cake, bake us a little cookie, send a picture in. Uh, you know, just just look on the internet. You'll find details about it, which reminds me I actually have to post details about it. By by the time this comes out, you'll see it. So, yeah, please please send some in. There'll be prizes. They'll be good. That's amazing. Thanks, Phil. I like it. Thank you, guys. Steve, what about yeah, you? No. You got any you got any closing thoughts? Oh man, you know, Worlds was a lot of fun, even though I I totally my picks were completely wrong, Jason. <laughs> they, they totally I love I love it when my picks are wrong. That's my favorite thing in the whole world. Guys, Leela is gonna be trash. And then I was like, wow, I am so wrong and I've never been happier. Turns out she was alright. Oh yeah. man. But yeah, no, it was great. It was awesome to see uh you know, a lot of a really diverse meta. Had a lot of fun watching it and, and messaging Nate frantically over, the, <laughs> over that weekend when Worlds was happening. What about you, Nathan? Um, I was I was pretty pleased with Worlds. I had a good time. I was really surprised to see people that I never expected to see still playing. Uh, and and so that was really exciting to see some old faces on like Twitch chat. And they're like, oh hey, remember me from like five years ago? Uh, so that was really fun. I thought the I thought the the diversity was was great um i'm really excited for borealis uh God, it's been so long since that's been in development man i i i'm just like well i hope it comes out i just i gotta resolve the anxiety soon yeah i'll tell you what you guys gotta start bothering nisei right now tell him give us some borealis scoops for our our award-winning podcast oh wait just, just do it right now I'll, i'm giving you an award right now Oh, oh, we should probably so much to me. best best world's discussion of of Netrunner podcast twenty twenty one. Boom! <laughs> you were too kind. <laughs> That's beautiful. Be You're just plugging yourself, Phil. Yeah, listen to my podcast; it's way better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think I have anything else I want to talk about. I I don't want to talk about anything else. I do have things in my head, but I'm not going to mention them. Save them for next episode. I won't be here, later. but it, it'll be good. I'll be long gone by then. <laughs> yeah, you'll never catch me. <laughs> oh, no, he's, he's gone. He's gone forever. Uh, all right, great. Well, uh, everybody, thanks so much for listening. I hope we didn't go too long here. And uh, thanks so much, Phil, for joining us. It was a pleasure yes, having Phil. you. That was great. I loved it. All right, bye, everyone. See ya. Bye.
toes, lobsters, bloody toes. 